0: Author Nene Harris loves digging into St. Louis's past. She discussed that work and her new book, Oldest St. Louis, on St. Louis on the Air.
1: Well, I should explain that I have been on a personal search for the oldest house in the city for several decades.
0: <laughs> this is a very long quest for you. Uh, yes.
1: Old Town Florissant is a treasure. And to appreciate it, all you have to do is look at a street map. And you see all these suburban cul-de-sacs like we have all over St. Louis County, but in the middle of it is a grid. You get these flavors of the past, but sometimes, like I said, I found that that went back much older than we realized.
0: And before we move on, I want to remind you that the biggest source of St. Louis Public Radio's funding comes from listeners like you. Because you value what you hear on St. Louis on the Air, donate today. Go to stlpr.org slash donate. That's stlpr.org slash donate. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. In the 256 years since a French fur trader and his nephew put down roots on the banks of the Mississippi, St. Louis has seen countless people, places, and things come and go. But some things have stayed, sometimes for 100 years, sometimes even 200 years or more. And those things are the focus of Nini Harris's new book. It's called Oldest St. Louis, and it aims to identify some of the places and things that truly deserve the superlative. And joining us today to discuss it is Nini Harris, Nini, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. So, Nini, you've written fifteen books now about St. Louis history and architecture. What gave you the idea for this one?
1: Well, my publisher, Josh Stevens from Reedy Press, suggested it, and I thought it sounded like so much fun and a lot of trivia in there too. It would just be a fun project, and I'd done a lot of pretty serious, heavy things like. Um, Uh, the history of downtown St. Louis and the Mm. whole evolution of our fabulous downtown. And I'd done what uh, day-to-day life was like in St. Louis during the Civil War. And I thought, oh, this is just going to be just fun. Well, it is fun. It was fun. But there was a lot more to it than I ever expected. Um, I kept finding inspirational stories Mm. and things that make up our common experience, our our, um, communal experience of what it means to be a St. Louisan. So it, it was fun, but it was also
0: just Uplifting, hmm. And I could see that. There are some, some stories in this book that just made me smile. In some cases, just that something has survived this long. But in other cases, as you say, people coming together. Give me an example of, of one that just makes you happy.
1: Um, Gus's pretzels. Ah, that makes all <laughs> and, of us happy, right? <laughs> that's right. But the origin of Gus's pretzels was a, a real hardship. Uh, the founder, the patriarch of the family, Frank Rapsberger, in 1920, he was working, he was a skilled craftsman, a boiler maker. Hmm. And he had a horrible injury on the job and lost an eye and could not work anymore. And he had to find some way to earn a living. Well, I found through census records that his mother had been widowed as a young woman with two young children, hmm. and she had become a baker and ran a bakery. And I think that's where he got his inspiration, because he started making pretzels in the basement,
0: hmm.
1: baking pretzels in the basement, and now, now we're to the, the fourth generation and they are employing 15, at least 15 people, and they are enriching all our lives with their goodies. Hmm. And so a hardship became, was turned by hard work into a gift. And uh, they work so hard. You know, you see the price on those pretzels. It's not much. Yeah. They earn every nickel. They're, they're before dawn every day. But all Gus ever says is, I am blessed. Hmm. And um, they're just, they're inspirational. Um, Cones Deli, talk about a remarkable, remarkable story. Um, uh, the, uh, Simon and his wife, Bobby, were both survivors. Of, of Nazi death camps.
0: Hmm.
1: He had been interred in six different camps. They met in a displaced person's camp. And you think about it, all their people, all their traditions, the Nazis set out to annihilate all of that, to erase it. And they come here to St. Louis, and they start a deli that continues... Their traditions every time that family bakes some goodie they that is a great achievement mm-hmm. that is um It's just so uplifting. All these little things. It's the everyday things that people continue
0: to do. And that, and Nini was mentioning, that's Cone's Kosher Restaurant, Deli, and Meat Market. That's the oldest kosher butcher in Deli in town. Dates back to 1963. Um, And and just hearing Nini talk about what she learned about Gus's pretzels, um, this is a book where the author really did her homework. You're just not relying on the conventional wisdom here. You hear a lot of people in St. Louis try to claim this is the oldest or that's the oldest. You're going back and looking at census records. You're not just taking their word on it. Did you ever find in some cases that something was presented as, as being the oldest and you started looking into it and that just didn't hold up?
1: Well, I, I, I've been kind of working on this my entire life. So actually what I found was that there are things that are older than we realized. <laughs> uh, the Polish sausage uh, uh, plant. It's just amazing. On North Florescent, the P. Ketowski family has run P. Ketowski's European sausage since 1940. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thaddeus P. P. had inherited it from a Mr. Zimba, a Leon Zimba, who had no family, and he had worked for him what i found was that they knew the business had been around for a while Mm -hmm. but i found that mr zimba had emigrated from poland at the turn of the century and he opened that business in nineteen sixteen so they are making sausage with the same mix of herbs and spices and the same combination of meats and all as they have since 1916, because they're not changing. They're doing things just as they were. So you you get these flavors of the past, but sometimes, like I said, I found that that went back much older than we realized.
0: It sounds like even um, the even the people that own the place didn't realize how far back it went. They knew it was old. They just they couldn't have told you 1916 until you started it, researching.
1: That's right. Like, I confirmed... Um, that definitely the Knoll family of Knoll Florist was in the flower business in 1877. Now, we know they were around before that, but I found an advertisement in 1877 for them. At the location, that their original location, which would have been right near Clondelet Park, um, but it's now underneath the highway, (laughs) Interstate 55, but I found a lot of evidence that I think they were in the flower business by 1870 at that site. Wow. Um, but I haven't been able, I haven't got enough confirming mati- uh, documents to say that they were actually growing flowers for sale in 1870, but they were gardening on the site in 1870.
0: Mm-hmm. We're talking today to author Nene Harris. Her new book, which is out from Reedy Press, is called Oldest St. Louis. So much great research went into this, but it's also just um, very winningly written, just a, a nice, light, breezy read, just short chapters on each of these places. Nene, something that intrigued me, I noticed you didn't choose a single oldest restaurant. You had, as we mentioned, the oldest Jewish deli, and um, you know, you have the oldest Irish tavern things like that but you didn't just pick one why not I guess it's volume two
1: <laughs> you're I, holding out <laughs> I couldn't get to everything I, I you know there comes a time when you just you filled up all the pages and and you know it's you're kind of out of control and I did go a little
0: out of control with the taverns and saloons. You did have a lot uh, of good taverns in here, you. You gave yeah. many superlatives.
1: Yeah, so uh I I guess I got out of control with saloons and had to um and the the restaurants took a, a loss with that one. But um uh it, it there was just so much so many interesting businesses to explore. But it's not just businesses; it's mm-hmm. institutions. Um, one bit I just had a barrel of fun with was the oldest library book.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell us and, a bit about that, because you did find some great things in that chapter. Oh,
1: it was so much fun. I and it came. It really impressed upon me what a cultural and educational center we are for. You know, for so long. Because I thought, you know, I knew that in an archive or in a library we'd have 17th, 16th century books. I was sure of that. But I found that the oldest library book is actually a tie. There are two books published in 1474. Now, that's just 22 years after Gutenberg starts his Bible project. Hmm. And we have a book in St. Louis Public Library, A History of the uh, World, written by a Carthusian monk that was uh, published in 1474, and it has, for illustrations, woodcuts that are hand colorized. It is so beautiful. Hmm. And then Missouri Botanical Garden Library has a book written by an Italian judge that was completed, the manuscript completed in 1309 on the um, joys of rural life. And it circulated in manuscripts for years before the printing press. And with the printing press in the 1870s and 1880s, this book becomes like a, a bestseller, it's a, a 15th century bestseller, hmm. and it's pub- it was published in a number of languages, including Polish. Wow. But then, and, and then I had to do a sidebar, because I found out that Warshoe's Medical School has a book, uh, a, a surgical book, in the German language, that dates to 1477. I that one it, I was just amazed everything that that was revealed when I was pursuing the oldest book. Um library book. Uh, what what a treasure. Yeah, um, that,
0: that opened up a great can of worms. Something else <laughs> I, I want to make sure we talk about here today, because I, I think frequently of how old the houses are in St. Louis. Many of the other cities I've lived in don't seem to have such wonderful old housing stock. You actually picked two oldest houses. You had one in the city and one in the county, and I was very surprised to learn the county house is older. Tell us about Casa Alvarez. Well, it, well
1: first of all, old town... Florescent is a treasure and to appreciate it all you have to do is look at a street map and you see all these suburban cul-de-sacs like we have all over st louis county but in the middle of it is a grid of Mm -hmm. streets and that's and they're all named for saints you got st dennis in there i don't know who st dennis is but (laughs) there's a st dennis um that's the old town as it was laid out in the 18th century by the town's French founders. And the growth in fluorescent in those early, in that first hundred years, was very slow. Hmm. So buildings didn't get torn down. They built down the road and all. So you have Casa Alvarez, which dates late 1780s and uh, it was originally a one-room house done French-style upright post on top of a stone foundation which actually had a, a basement, and um, it's, it's just a little treasure up there. And there are other houses in Florissant that date from the colonial era, from the Spanish colonial era.
0: Yeah, you make a great case for Florissant as a hotbed for anybody who's interested in, in just the very oldest stuff. Like, it's amazing. This was founded in the 1780s. And, you know, a, a lot of us, I think, might think of it as a suburb that's primarily in the 1950s. But as you say, there's so much that, that predates all that growth. Then when you get to the city house, and you can actually see a photo of that on our website, that's stlpublicradio.org, you seem a little bit more tentative about this may not be be the very oldest city house, but you think maybe it could be. Tell us about this house in the Carondelet neighborhood.
1: Well, I should explain that I have been on a personal search for the oldest house in the city for several decades. (laughs)
0: This is a very long quest for you. Uh, Yes. And um, this
1: house has all the traits of Uh, French building as far as we can see without ripping out the walls. And it's uh, it's a very nice lady's home. We're not going to rip out her walls. Um, (laughs) But we've been in uh, the basement repeated times, and you can see the rubble stone walls that were like the French, early French built the walls. You see uh, the joists are bark-covered. Uh, logs, and there is a stone sill. I'm, I'm sorry, a wood sill, hewn hmm. wood resting on the stone foundation. And then wood has been mortised into that stone sill, French style, with wooden pegs. Throughout it, you can see the wood peg construction. And these pegs are big. The wooden peg construction is a real... Giveaway, and then up in the attic, the roofline has been changed, but in the attic, you can still see the old wood shingles. Hmm. And oh, what a treasure! So I'm I'm pretty confident that is from the territorial era, which is you know prior to 1821, built in in the Creole style, but. I would not be surprised if we find, behind a modern house, a one-room house, a one-room log house somewhere that is older. Hmm. Um, the, The fear is that a small house will be torn down and we'll find that that was it. But most of the old houses... Well, the early development in St. Louis was on the riverfront, and, of course, that has been developed and redeveloped and redeveloped. So Carondelet is likely to have the oldest house in the city because it had a substantial village uh, that grew up there during the colonial era. And this, this house, I'm... It's a good candidate, hmm. but like I say, my search goes on.
0: Well, I love that this has become a, a lifelong quest for you, and you've certainly put so much research into this, and it's it's fascinating to hear about this house in the Carondelet neighborhood. Um, one other story I want to make sure we get to today. We just have a couple minutes left, but this story you found about the oldest vigil and the Pink Sisters. Can you give us the short version of that?
1: It, there is a continual prayer going on in North City. That began in 1928. June 7th, 1928, the Pink Sisters, sisters who are nicknamed Pink Sisters for their pink and white habit, that is their uniform, have been praying in this magnificent chapel, this very feminine chapel with all pinks and golden cherubs. They have been praying there night and day. There has never been an interruption in their prayers through world wars, through great depressions, through um, mayhem and tragedy. Hmm. This prayer continues. There are 18 sisters there now who carry on the prayer, and they're from the U.S. and from all over the world. They are cloistered. Um, The church is open every day from about our chapel from 5.30 to about one thirty in the afternoon, and you're welcome to stop in and just be silent and pray with them. <laughs> um, it's a magnificent place, and what a story. Um, it's, across, it's almost across the street from O'Fallon Park in North City, and um, the chapel, all of it in the convent, was given by one donor, Her name was Mrs. Teresa Backer-Kulagi, and her family, the Backers, who started with nothing but a wheelbarrow and became grain merchants, they gave St. Louis University High School, they built the whole high school in 1922 on that beautiful site across from Forest Park.
0: Wow. Wow. That's a remarkable connection right there. And I have to say, Nini, I mean, these stories that you found, just hearing about so many old things that have endured so much and thinking about this prayer that goes back all the way to 1928 and people are still engaged in the same prayer without ever breaking a moment in this chain kind of gives me some sense that, that no matter what happens here, life goes on and and uh, civilization continues. It's It's kind of a hopeful feeling here.
1: It is so positive, particularly when we're cr- facing crises. It puts things in kind of a perspective of all the heroes who just do everyday things by them going and working, by baking a dad's cookie or whatever. You know, they just go on and keep doing things that make life sweeter. And... Um, But we're just very lucky in this city. We are very fortunate
0: people. And that is actually, that's the perfect note to end on today. Nina Harris, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It has been my pleasure. And Nini's book is Old as St. Louis. You can buy it directly from Reedy Press or any number of local bookstores. And we have a link on our website. That's stlpublicradio.org. You can also visit Nini at Mark's Hardware in Old North from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on this Friday, November 13th. We also want to mention we had a caller, Jerry, who wanted to let us know St. Dennis Street in Florissant is named for a bishop from the 3rd century martyred for his faith. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks.